Well, good morning. Good morning. If you wouldn't mind, join me in Jonah chapter 2. As you're turning there this morning, I just wanted to first start off today by just saying thank you for all your love and your support for my family this past month. These past several weeks have been some of the hardest weeks of my life. I'm not going to lie with y'all. In fact, there's going to be a lot of honesty today, um, which shouldn't there always be honesty? The notes and the prayers, the meals, the hugs, the financial support for my sister, Anya, have felt like the very hands of God reaching out to us and embracing us. Thank you. You have shown that you are not just my church, even though I knew this before. You're my family. We are a family church. Y'all know that? We love each other. We have each other's backs. And I know that we all grieve together. Here's the thing. Many of you are, yes, grieving over my brother Seth. But many of us are grieving over a lot more things as well. other pains that filled our lives and our hearts. And I want to walk with you on a path. If you will join me on a path this morning. I want to walk with you on a path of pain to praise. And I'm praying that we can find joy in Christ in the midst of life's pains, in the midst of life's journeys. When I was a kid... Uh, we had a swimming pool growing up as a kid for a few years. We moved around a lot as a kid. So we had a swimming pool that we had. And we loved to go swimming throughout the summer months. But not only did we have a swimming pool, but our family loved WWF wrestling. <laughs> not my parents as much, but us kids. I mean, we always wrestled around like we were Hulk Hogan or Macho Man Randy Savage or The Undertaker. Maybe some of you know those names. But when, we, when it was summer months and we'd be swimming, we thought, hey, wrestling and water is awesome. So we would try to stay on the shallow end, which was three feet deep, and wrestle in the water. And it was a blast. I mean... I don't know if you've ever wrestled someone in the water just to, like, just to take them down. It's so much fun. And it's all fun until someone is held underwater just a little bit too long. Has anybody been held underwater just a little bit too long? You all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And in that moment, that fun, that excitement feels like you're going to die. In that split second, 
panic sinks in. Fun turns to fear. Laughter turns to lashing. And in that moment, the person who is held underwater starts fighting for their life, even though they're just having fun. Like every second counts, and dread starts filling in your heart. And then you're waiting to break that surface of water. And when you break that surface, you gasp for air. <gasps> Help! To be honest, that's how I felt this past month. Like I'm being held underwater just a little too long. Life has been good. My marriage is solid. Ministry for the last four years, well, last six years I've been here, have been awesome, awesome, awesome. And the last four years of the privilege of serving with my baby brother has been a blessing. The Meeks family had a party just over a month ago where my oldest son got married. An amazing celebration. I was having fun in the pool of life. Then things happened. My brother was gone. And it was like someone just did a swipe of my feet and I got pulled under the water. And I kept getting pushed down farther and farther. And I'm not saying farther down into depression. I'm saying farther down into pain. One push after another, and it felt like somewhat I'm fighting every day for more breath. Sometimes physically, always emotionally. And the moments I actually think I'm doing okay, it hits me all over again. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not Nathan's confession time. I just want to give a little backdrop of what we're going to be talking about today. Because I know I don't mourn as one who has no hope. But I still mourn. I've realized that the level of pain we have does not, picked, not, does not depict the level of faith we have. You understand that? The level of pain we carry does not depict the level of faith we have. It just equates the depth of the relationship and the hurt we carry. And the question I want to ask this morning is, what do we do with the hurt that seems so wrong? What do we do when things don't make sense? When we feel like we're waking up every single morning and we're drowning again and again and again. So in my devotions, this past Tuesday, I read the book of Jonah. I've read it many times in my life, and I've been told the story of Jonah since I was a child. In fact, about all of us here probably know the story of Jonah. But this time through, it felt different. I wasn't just looking to read about Jonah. In fact, I had just finished 1 Kings, and I was actually staring at the pages of 2 Kings. And I was, I was staring at 2 Kings, just getting ready to start it. My eyes went blurry. You guys ever done that? Like you're just grief or whatever. Your eyes go blurry as you're trying to read. And my eyes went blurry. And as my eyes went blurry, I tried to just look at the pages and the black and white letters 
just didn't come clear. But what came clear into my heart this past Tuesday was a cry that said, Lord, help. Help, Lord. I'm not sure how to read. I'm not sure how to focus. I'm not how to, I don't know how to look up. I don't know how to process this pain. I don't know how to process this pain. It was then that I turned, and my heart just felt like the Lord saying, Nate, read Jonah. You know the story of the man who was called to preach to the town of Nineveh, but he didn't want to go. This past Tuesday, I read Jonah, and I started sobbing as I read chapter 2, because I felt like my pain was put on paper. I felt like the drowning sensation was literally like in scripture. And I know it's not my story. I know it's not. But as I read it, I'm just sitting here going, Lord, what do I do in this drowning? And as I read Jonah, I felt God saying, listen, Jonah is, the book of Jonah is not about the preaching. It's about my long-reaching arms with grace reaching both Jonah and a people, both that were running from me. Nathan, you may not be running from me, but I want you to run to me. And so, if if you have Jonah, let's look at chapter 2, because I just want you to just process this with me, and then we're going to process a little bit more here. If you know the story of Jonah, Jonah was called to preach to a town in Nineveh. He didn't want to go to a town in Nineveh. He hated Nineveh. Um, It was a foreign land with a foreign people that were evil, that was just like the nemesis of Israel. And he just said, nope, I'm going the opposite way. So he left Joppa to go to Tarshish. And on the way to Tarshish, in this boat in the Mediterranean Sea, there was a great storm. And all these people, these uh, sailors on this boat, they were saying, there must be, we must have upset the gods. So they all start praying to their gods, and Jonah's just sitting there all happy, like nothing's happening. And they look at him and say, uh, what's going on? And he goes, well, I know what's going on. I upset my God. You need to throw me over, over, boat, over the boat, over the edge, throw me in the water, because I'm actually that one that's dragging you down. And uh, they're like, they, these sailors who didn't worship the true God, had a conscience to the point of saying, no, we can't do that. And they finally came to the point, he said, there's no other hope. You have to throw me into the hands of God, into the depths of the sea. And this is where we pick up, verse 1. He sank to the depths of the sea, and this was written, or this heart came out, not written, but this was the heart or a thought from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, God. And he said, verse 2, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And from the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, and all your waves and breakers, they swept over me, And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. 
The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Into the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, you brought me my life up from the pit. And when my life was almost gone, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for him. But with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Tuesday morning as I was reading this, I was just processing. I'm going, Lord... I feel like you hurled me into the depths of the waters. And I feel like those waves would just keep crashing over me. They're crashing, Lord. And I feel like the swirling life is around me and all these waves are sweeping over me and I can't get my breath. And I feel like, even though I know you're there, I'm just feeling a little distant from you right now. I feel like I was sinking deep into the deeper parts and seaweed of life was wrapping around my neck, strangling me. And yet, I felt the urge and the call to say, yet I look again to you, to your holy temple. I remember you, Lord. And so later that evening after I read Jonah, Sid called me up and said, Hey, Nate, I need you to preach because I'm sick and I'm going to be under quarantine for a few days. And I immediately started processing, what should I share? And, I, and to be honest with you, my mind honestly went blank and numb all over again. I actually thought, how can I share when my own mind is foggy and my own pain is fresh? I woke up at 4 a.m. on Wednesday morning with a cry in my heart that actually was, Lord, help me, I'm drowning. Like, Jonah, I feel like I'm drowning. And as I prayed over what to share, I felt the Spirit show me that I don't need to overlook my pain to preach, but I need to teach dependence upon God in the midst of my pain. To share with you today, my brothers and sisters, how to call to God in the middle of pain. You see, today, I believe there are many people listening right now who are in this room or online who feel as if they are drowning, drowning under the weight of grief, because there's several types of drowning, there's several types of grief. It can be drowning over a child who has turned away from the Lord, and you're just praying, Lord, just get a hold of their hearts. Lord, let them turn back to you. It could be a, a grief of drowning over feeling like your financial legs keep getting knocked out from underneath you. Like no matter what you try, you just can't get ahead. And that struggle is always there and it's always daunting and it's always heavy. It could be a drowning over wanting to start a family. And every month is almost like a ticking time bomb because you've tried and either you're not getting positive marks on that test or you've had 
miscarriages. And every month you're saying, Lord, how long is this going to happen? I'm drowning. Maybe it's over marital brokenness. That you guys look apart when you're here. But you know at home, you're grieving because you and your marriage, you and your spouse are just feeling like you're ripping apart. And every day, it's a groaning in your heart. And you're saying, help, Lord, I'm drowning. Maybe it's a distance that you've grown from the Lord. And nothing specific happened. And yet you feel like you're just sinking. Or maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Like I am with my brother. What do we do when we can't just get our breath in the midst of the pain? This morning, I want to encourage you to learn a new word if you don't know this word. This word is called lament. L-A-M-E-N-T. Lament. You may ask, what in the world is lament? Or you may even have an idea of what lament is. The world says that lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. But biblical lament is much more. Biblical lament is a grieving prayer of honesty before God. You get that? It's a grieving prayer of honesty before God. Being honest with your emotions, honest with your thoughts, honest with who he is. You see, the Bible is riddled with laments. There's a whole book called Lamentations of a prophet that cries out lamenting to God because Jerusalem was taken and the city has fallen. Over a third of the chapters of Psalms are lament. There's 150 chapters in Psalms. Over a third of them are lament. Jesus prayed a psalm on the cross. That was a lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, oftentimes we feel like lamenting is crying. Pastor Mark Rogop says this in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Sorrows, or Deep Mercies, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies. He says this, to cry is to be human, but to lament is Christian. And why? Because lamenting is turning to God in pain. You see, we all cry. We are born crying. And but turning to God in the midst of our pain is so much more. So what is lament? It is bringing your hurt, your sorrow, your pain, and yes, even your complaints to God. And yet choosing to trust him anyway. Now you might be thinking, Nathan, can we, can we really complain to God? And I'm going to tell you, yes. Don't fire me over this, but yes. He already knows your heart, so you're just being honest with him when you say, God, this isn't fair, this doesn't make sense, and I'm angry right now. You see, we are called to bring our complaints to God, but it's not okay just to stop at our complaints. When we complain, we need to turn from that. And start working towards worship. It's healthy because complaining that ends with worship moves us along the path of pain to praise. Several years ago in high school, 
I had the privilege of working through about a third of the Psalms with our high school students. And believe it or not, I worked through lamenting. Wow, exciting, right? But I just wanted to walk through with these high schoolers because I, I hope you know this. There's a lot of high schoolers that are grieving. And they feel like they have to kind of hide it. And so sometimes they give parents the silent treatment because they're trying to hide it. And they just need to process through with God how do we process God's goodness in the midst of our pain. And fairly consistently as I looked through the laments, I saw five principles that you have in your outline. And these are actually, ironically, in, in the book by, uh, by, what's his name, Mark Vrograp, they're actually very similar to what he actually had in his books. I read that recently as well. But I preached this fight three years ago, so I don't know how the Lord has a way to work it all out. Number one, come to God in prayer. The first step in lamenting is turning your heart from inward to upward. Inward pain to upward prayer. It is not letting your pain turn inward, but upward. Because if we remain just inward, the voices in our head become loud with lies. Y'all understand that? If we just turn it inward and we stay silent, the voices in our head turn loud with lies. Lies about ourselves, lies about our God. Looking up is the first step of faith in grief. But keeping silent with God causes the darkness of pain to grow within us. Giving God a cold shoulder grows the grief and causes us not to begin experiencing the comforting arms of God because we push him away. And I want to encourage you. We're going to look through a couple psalms here this morning. But I want you to understand that first step in your pain is to look to God, call to God. The hard part, I recognize this, is in the pain, when you're sinking in the waters, you get so caught on the circumstance around you. Don't we? Then we start panicking and lashing in the water. Instead of looking up and saying, God, I need you. So the first step is to be honest with God. Next step, bring your complaints to God by acknowledging the pain, the ramifications of that pain, the confusion of that pain, the frustration of the pain, and the whys of that pain. The why, God, I don't understand. Here's the thing. We're going to read in Psalms here, two Psalms of David, that he's just frustrated in some psalms, you'll hear stuff like, How long, O Lord, are you? How long, Lord, are you going to do this? Vindicate me, O God. Have you rejected me, O God? These are complaints that psalmists are bringing to God because they're acknowledging the pain and the grief that they are carrying. They're also acknowledging the ramifications of the pain when they're feeling alone, when they're feeling lost, when they're feeling that they got brain fog. And let's be honest, when we're in the middle of our grief, we have the questions of why God. Why, God, are you allowing this to happen in my life? Bring your complaints to God. 
Bring your complaints. And don't hold back. Do it humbly, but don't hold back. This is not bring your complaints with a fist in the air of defiance. This is a bring your complaints of, God, I don't get it. Help me. And don't hold back. But step number three is this. Make a request to God by asking him to rectify, vindicate, heal, or comfort you in the pain. Ask the questions that take faith. Take the step of saying, God, I'm choosing to make a request of you in the midst of my struggle. Lord, I'm asking you to wrap your arms around me. Lord, I'm asking you to allow my spouse to get pregnant. Lord, I'm asking you to bring my child back who's wandering. Ask the questions. Bring those to the Lord. Don't just turn away from him, but actually request of him things. There's a place where we can all of a sudden bring, go to God, make our complaints, but then choose this empty place of saying, well, I'm just not going to trust you again. And we need to come to him with a request and then choose to trust God's heart and promises in the midst of pain. You see, when we come to him with a request and then we say, but not my will, but thine be done, we're choosing to trust God's heart. Sometimes we, fe- we can fear God's hands because life hurts. Almost like a child that got a whooping, a little spanking. And yet we recognize we have a God who loves us. So when we struggle trusting the hands of God, I want to encourage you, trust the heart of God. Trust his heart. Acknowledge his character that God is good, God is faithful, God is trustworthy, God provides. That God is good, God is faithful, God is trustworthy, God provides. That God is good, that God is faithful, that God is trustworthy, and God provides. I've said that like 300 times this past month. Because I have to remind myself of God's character. Things that transcend my circumstances. That God is good. That God is faithful. That God is trustworthy. That God provides. That God is sovereign. Whatever you don't do, don't stop, pre- don't stop pressing into him. Don't stop pressing into trusting him. Trusting is knowing that the pain of our circumstances and the promises of God will somehow connect. You see, when we trust God, we're trusting that somehow the circumstances of our pain and the promises of God will somehow connect. And we may not know how, but we understand that the dots connect when God holds the pen and he draws the lines. So today, choose to trust God. And then, after you choose to trust God, Choose to worship God in the pain. And I even want to declare this. The larger the pain, the louder our praise needs to be. We need to drown out the lies in our hearts that deny God's goodness. There's a reason why we need to come together and sing the praises of God as a family. 
because they are melodies, whether we like the melody or not, that sometimes get stuck in our head. You ever had a song stuck in your head from church that you just couldn't get out of your head all week long? Yeah. We need to get those melodies of truth, of, of truth about God and his character stuck in our heads because when the walls just come crashing down and we hit, you know, just when we hit something so hard that we just feel like we're not going to survive, we need to sing the praises of God. Sing the praise of God that the Lord, our God, is salvation and let us praise forever be on our lips. So with that, let's look at Psalm chapter 13. We're going to look at two different chapters this morning of laments. I know in your outline you have three. We're going to look at two. We're going to go quick. Because I basically did the outline for you already. Now we're just going to see how it looks like in Scripture. Eve. If we see through Scripture how godly inspired lament is, we can start shaping our lives to the pattern of Scripture. And we can be on a path of pain to praise and choose praise in the middle of our pain. Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. The pattern here we see in chapter 13 is the pattern you will see in most psalms of lament. Like I said, over 50 of them in the book of Psalms. This psalm was Written, most theologians, theologians believe this was written while David's son Absalom was chasing him to kill him. Absalom had secretly and sneakily, I don't know if that's even a word, sneakily, but he sneakily stole the kingship from King David. And David was hiding. Now, David was anointed to be king by a prophet of God. He was set in place. He was the one that a covenant was given to. And he's hiding away in caves saying, how long, O Lord? Number one, he turned to God. 
How long, Lord? And then he brought his complaint to him. Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? In other words, Lord, are you ignoring me? My situation here, I'm supposed to be king and I'm feeling beaten down here. And I'm wrestling with my own thoughts of fears and doubts. And day after day, my sorrow is just growing in my heart. He's bringing his complaints to God. How long will my enemy, the man who stole my throne, how long will he triumph triumph over me? And then he turned to a request. Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep. That's a twofold question. First of all, let me stay alive. But second, give me clarity of mind. Give light to my eyes to the questions I asked. Or I will sleep in death. I, I, I will have nothing. And don't let my enemies tell, say I've overcome him. These are requests. But then you see in verse 5, he turns from the requests to choosing trust. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. You see how he chooses to trust And then he says with determination, and I will sing of the praises of the Lord, for he has been good to me. This morning when you're in pain, when you're in grief, bring pain to God. Bring your frustrations, your hurts, your complaints to God. Bring your requests to God and say, God, do something about this. But then choose to trust him. Believe it or not, trust is a choice, not a feeling. Choose to trust. And then choose to worship. Because worship, once again, is a choice and not a feeling. Who here has ever chose to worship when you didn't feel like worshiping, but it changed you anyway? Yes, because it realigns our heart with the truth of who God is. It sets him in the rightful place that he is God and I am not. And we can trust him even when we hurt. Choose to worship. Turn to Psalm 64. We're going to just rush through this last chapter here of Psalm 64. Because this actually seems like a pitily grief or pitily complaint a little bit, I'll be honest with you. But this shows we can bring our deepest, darkest pain and also the small stuff, which maybe it wasn't so small, but it seems pretty small. Psalm 64, if, it's in your, if you've got the Bibles in front of you, it's page 463. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. You think that could get any more clear right there? Hear me, O oh God, as I voice my complaint. He's turning to God as I voice my complaint. And ironically, he starts with a request first. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of the evildoers. And then here's the complaint. 
for they sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. In other words, people are slandering me. They're, spe- they're speaking bad things about me. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. It's like caught off guard shots of these deadly words. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk with hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. But God. I love the but gods of the Bible. This is where he's trusting. But God will shoot them with his arrows. And they will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. And all who see him will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. And all the upright will glory in him. Once again, we see that pattern of coming to the Lord, bringing our pain to the Lord, bringing our requests to the Lord, asking God things, choosing to trust him on the journey, and choosing to worship him in the pain. And this morning I ask you, will you choose to worship him in the pain by walking through those steps? Sometimes we want to jump to the worship, which is, worshiping is wonderful, but we're doing that sometimes, honestly, because we do it because we want to just press down the other fears and emotions that we're battling. And he's saying, come to me. Bring me your pain, your hurt. Bring me the consequences of the pain. I can take it. Speak to me. Bring your request to me. Trust me. Trust me and worship me. I'm reminded as we close this morning, Lamentations 3, 21 through 26, you don't have to turn there, but just listen as I read this. In the last couple chapters, the great prophet of sorrow expresses pain and grief. And then he said this. Yet this, in the middle of the grief, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. This morning, with your pain, will you lament? Or will you give God the cold shoulder? I want to encourage you Lamenting is biblical, and it's healing. So this morning, I'm going to close with a prayer of lament. I want to encourage you, if you have grief in your life, things that are just heavy in your heart, I want to encourage you 
to have your own prayer of lament as you're sitting in your seats. If you're not grieving right now in a spot, you're not in pain right now, I want to encourage you, pray for someone you know that is in grief. And let us, as one family, call out to the Lord. Let's pray. This morning, God, I come before you and I confess that this past month has not seemed fair and it has been frustrating. God, I have been overwhelmed. I have felt as if I'm drowning and not breathing. My mind is confused. My future seems weird. My holidays, I don't know anything about them right now. Just being in the office sometimes hurts. And Lord, I pray and I'm asking you this morning, comfort me as I walk in these doors. Let us see light during our holiday seasons and have joy as a family. Take care of my sister and our kids. Lord, in the midst of grief, I choose to trust you. For you are good, you are faithful, you are trustworthy, and you provide what we need. So this morning, I will praise you and I will exalt your name. For you are sovereign. You alone are good. You are holy. You are set apart. And if this world crumbles and everything else fails, your love will never fail. So I praise you, God. I love you, God. I trust you, God. I worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.